Hi, I'm Madhuni Krishnan, editor of Airline Weekly, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. This podcast is the audio from our weekly live streaming interview series, which we air every Monday at noon Eastern at forum.skiff.com. Join us for the weekly live stream. We'll take your questions live on air. And if, of course, if you prefer audio, we'll always be podcasting the Airline Weekly Lounge at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge live live stream. I'm your host, Madhuni Krishnan, the editor of Airline Weekly, and I'm joined today by the esteemed and one and only Airline Weekly co-founder and senior analyst, Jay Shabbat. Morning, Jay. Too kind, Madhu. Too kind, <laughs> too kind. Good morning. All right, so Jay. This week's feature story was kind of the big news of last week, and that is that now there could be one fewer airline in Korea, with Korean Air expressing its intent to to buy its beleaguered rival, Asiana. Why is this a big deal? I mean, not just in Korea, but beyond. Yeah, well, well, it's it's um it's it's potentially the first big merger if it happens, um, the first big merger uh, in in really anywhere worldwide. Um, since the start of the, the COVID crisis. Hmm. So it could potentially signal uh, some sort of uh, international consolidation. Uh, there, We don't know, but may, maybe there'll, there'll be other deals after this. Um, and, and Asia, as, as we've discussed uh, in, in this week's issue and, and in prior issues, um, Asia is or uh, has become a very fragmented airline market. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking, speaking about sort of East Asia as a whole, um, there are a lot of airlines. There's there's been a lot of new airlines come up over the past decade or so, low cost carriers and whatnot. So I think there, are, I think if you ask uh, some of the big players in the region, um, they would welcome some form of consolidation because they've seen how consolidation has been very helpful to airline profits in places like the United States and even to an extent in Europe. So it's it it may it may be a sign of um, of further consolidation, but but we'll have to see. Right. Um, so, so there, there is sort of a, I mean, it's not a done deal, right? I mean, the, 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 the macadamia nut lady among others is objecting to the, uh, to the deal, right? Right. Right. So, the, so there's, um, it's, it's a very complex, uh, I mean, the, the whole Korean economy is, is, it's very dominated by these big conglomerates and, and one of them owns Chable, Korean right? air, but within, with, yeah, they call them the Chabal is, is I think the Korean term. But they, um, so Hanjin is, is the one that owns um, Korean Air, and there are a lot of other shareholders involved. Um, and long before the, the, this crisis even started, there was a manage, there was a dispute, sort of a boardroom dispute about, uh, you know, which um, which shareholders would get the right to to appoint the chief executive, and run, and essentially run the company. Um, there's, uh, the, the players include, as, as you mentioned that there's, there's the, that the Cho family, which is, uh, is um, the, the father ran it for many years and now the son and is running it is, is now the CEO, Walter Cho. And then there's the sisters who have been involved, as you mentioned, in some, uh, some scandals. <laughs> um, and, and, um, and then there's Delta, I mean, Delta owns whatever it is close to 15% of the company mm-hmm. as well. And they've been siding with, with. The current CEO, so um, the the one side, um, the uh, there's there's a, a big private equity firm um, that owns uh, a big stake that is very much opposed to this deal, and they've sued to stop it. Um, and then you have separately 
the consideration of uh, the um, antitrust and whether or not it can pass muster with competition authorities. So, so no, it's not a done deal. Um, and uh, we'll just, Korean Air itself says it hopes to, if they can, you know, get the proper approvals, that it can be done sometime by middle, late next year. Now, why, why would Korean Air want Asiana? I mean, Asiana is, has been struggling for a few years now. And, um, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's just, uh, why, why would it want it? I mean, does, it, does Asiana bring root authorities or what, what, what's the attraction? What's the asset that we're getting? So let me first say that that there probably are um, elements within the government that that want this. They want to save jobs. They want to uh, have a healthy air, airline industry. Um, so there's that. But but there's logic um, at Korean Air itself. Now, now yes, and money to do this, and and yes, there are execution risks. Uh, yes, there's the threat that, well, maybe, you know, if the government really wants to preserve jobs, then they might not be able to, uh, you know, th th you might have a situation of, of overstaffing. Um, if you come, you know, one of the ideas of merging two airlines is that you gain efficiencies by having a, you know, one, you don't, you don't need two sets of everything anymore, two, two marketing departments, two financial departments. So it's, it, it usually does involve layoffs, may not have it this time. However, there is logic uh, commercial logic here in that by eliminating a competitor, Korean Air essentially is going to dominate routes that it used, you know, used to have competition mm -hmm. on. Uh, and there's some big ones. You know, I believe we, we looked at this last week. You can, um, I think we ran, ran a chart, but the uh, there are routes where I think I think New York even to Seoul is an example right. where Korean Air and Asiana were the only nonstop competitors. Right. So you can imagine if if, if two become one. That's a, uh, you know, that's, you can imagine the pricing power that entails right. for Korean Air. So it should be, um, it should be pretty powerful on the revenue side. There's always the questions of, you know, the, the cost efficiencies. That's, uh, but it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of mergers, a lot of successful airline mergers, they, they work because of revenue synergies, not because of cost. Interesting. Synergies. But uh, now mm -hmm. they also have, uh, I mean, but the network, network complexity, uh, let me rephrase that. Each of these two behemoths in the market have um, low-cost carrier subsidiaries, right? So now, are, do do you think there'll be consolidation within those tiers of the in, of the companies, or, um, or I mean, or will there just be massive overcapacity in, in South Korea? Yeah, well, well, so what I've what I've heard is that uh, so there are three low-cost carriers mm -hmm. associated with these two carriers, uh, so. Korean Air has, uh, has an airline called Jin Air, which uh, they, which is actually a publicly traded company now. They, they spun part of it off a couple of years ago. And then uh, Asiana has something called Air Busan, mm -hmm. which is publicly traded as well. And then they have a sort of a wholly owned subsidiary called Air Seoul. So there's kind of a lot of, lot of but they're not that big. They're, 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 they're pretty small. Um, I, I've read that the intent is to kind of merge them all together mm -hmm. uh, and create one that would seem to make sense. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that's, there's, there, that would, that would create an extra, you know, sort of layer of consolidation there is if you bring, bring the low cost carriers together. Um, now Korea, I, I want to say Korea, um, is a very competitive market. Uh, the domestic market itself has a lot of low cost carriers, uh, including there's one called Jeju Air, mm -hmm. which is, which is, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fast growing airline. They have a 
50 some odd maxes on order. They're, they're, they're profitable in normal times, very big to Japan. Um, and uh, they do, you know, do a lot of, a lot of short haul international routes. Uh, so it is um, anything short haul involved in Korea is, is, is very competitive. It's sort of where you get, where, where you, where you get um, the, the real synergies, the potential synergies revenue wise are on some of these long haul routes, I think. Hmm. And the intercontinental uh, stuff to the United States, you Australia, I mean, Europe. Right, right. Now you mentioned uh, Delta, um, you know, Delta is a shareholder for Korean, uh, but United also came out and said that they're, they, they're pretty excited about this consolidation. Why, why would United be excited? Right. And, and they weren't specifically talking about Korean or Asiana per se, but, but United um, in a presentation last week, raised the prospect that uh, international consolidation um, could be something that transforms international markets in the same consolidation transform domestic markets. Um, that's combined with the fact that international capacity, intercontinental, I'm specifically speaking the long haul stuff, um, that's probably going to stay very subdued after the crisis because of so many planes that have been permanently retired. Right. So United is making the case, look, we're, we're the biggest international airline um, in the United States. Maybe, you know, Delta is probably sim similar in size. Um, certainly in Asia, the, both carriers are very big. So we're best positioned to benefit from that of any U.S. carrier. That's that's kind of their argument. You know, if international markets are suddenly, um, you know, just they're, they're less competitive because of mergers, because of capacity cuts, United will be in a good position. That's their argument. Okay. Now, do you think I think, and I think there's something there too? I mean, there there is a lot of capacity coming out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there there is for sure. Now, do you think this will touch off a wave of consolidation in Asia and other Asian countries? I mean, let, let's leave aside transnational consolidation because that's just a can of can of worms that no one's really wants to open right now. But uh, but uh, in terms of yeah. other, do you think there will be more consolidation in say you know, Thailand or? Uh, Vietnam, Japan. I mean, there are you know other countries that of similar population size that have multiple airlines. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit on a challenge when you mentioned the transnational. I mean, these there, there's there are there is other than China, there's really no you know giant right. airline. I mean, Indonesia is pretty big, but but there's no you know we're not talking about the U.S. or if you consider Europe as as a single market. Um, it's a, it's a, it's very fragmented. Not, not only the airline industry is fragmented, but uh, you know, geopolitically, it's very, very fragmented. So it is harder to get those get mergers done in that region. Um, Korea, Korea, Korea just happens to be example, an example that has two major airlines that are now poised to merge. Um, we've already seen a lot of mergers within China over the mm -hmm. past, you know, decade, decade and a half. Um, Japan, they, they, they really have only. Two, two airlines, they're not going to merge. Um, once you start getting into Southeast Asia, and we'll, we'll leave aside um, India and Australia, we'll focus on, you know, just, just sort of the East Asia per se. Um, there, there, there are questions about what's going to happen. You mentioned Thailand. So Thai Airways is bankrupt. What happens to them? Uh, will they, will there be a merger? Will they, will they disappear? I don't know. I mean, you could see some smaller, in fact, you probably will see some consolidation of some smaller players. I know AirAsia's Thai affiliate was discussing or rumored to be discussing 
uh, taking over a small airline called Noka Air, which is associated with Thai Airways. There, there might be little deals like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Singapore Airlines is very keen on joint ventures, which is sort of a, you know, it's, it's, it's I suppose, some form of consolidation. Right. They, Singapore Airlines, right before the pandemic, um, signed a joint venture deal with Malaysia Airlines. They signed one with all Nippon Airlines. They have others around the world, Lufthansa, and United, uh, um, uh, who Virgin Virgin Australia was one. That's that's uh, not sure what's going to happen there with Virgin reemerging from bankruptcy. But uh, so yeah, you might. But it is harder because of because of the borders. It is harder to have like a mass consolidation. Yeah. Um, but but from an airline perspective, I mean, if you're a Singapore Airlines or, or you're China or Japan, it's cons watching an airline disappear or cut capacity is, is almost as good as, as as a merger. So what you saw in China, what you're seeing in China, for example, right now in mainland China, is uh, you know one airline, Hainan Airlines, which is a very big and was very fast growing before the crisis, is now shrinking dramatically. So uh, the the remaining players, okay. the Air China, the China Eastern, China Southerns of the world, uh, they're they're going to benefit a lot from mm -hmm. that. So you know the the uh, we we just we've got a few minutes left, and I wanted to ask. I just want there was. Korean and Asiana are kind of have kind of an interesting quirk right now. They're both profitable, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's for the simple reason that they're very very big cargo players. Uh, Korea, if, if you if you take all the economies of the world that are very heavy heavily export oriented, mm -hmm. so you think of Korea, you think of Germany. Uh, th these are these are economies whose airlines are doing well on the cargo side right now. So as a percentage of their total revenues, um, even in normal times, um, cargo, it's, it's very big for, for Korean and Asian, Asiana. So even though uh, they're losing a lot of money on their passenger service, they the, the cargo yields are just so high right now that they're able to squeak by with a profit. Now, um, for both the last, the prior two quarters, Q2, Q3, right. I think I believe both of those airlines uh, recorded profits. Right. I think the only other airlines in the world where that was true was in Taiwan and same situation there, export oriented economy, very heavy cargo based carriers. Uh, so you have China Airlines, EVA, the two major carriers in Taiwan, same situation, um, doing doing rather well. Keep in mind, though, that, that both Korean carriers, uh, even despite the momentary uh, operating profits, these are still carriers with heavy debts. Now, Asiana is much worse than Korean Air, but these are not airlines with very strong balance sheets, even you know before anybody ever heard of COVID. That's uh, a situation they faced. So maybe uh, you know maybe 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 a merger is exactly what Korean Air needs. Now, you mentioned Taiwan and Korea. I mean, one one other thing I want to you know the uh, Taiwan has gone more than two hundred days now without a, a single COVID infection. Korea, South Korea has got the disease more or less under control, sporadic outbreaks here and there, but they're controlled. Um, Singapore is another place. Ch China is almost back to normal demand. Um, uh, Thailand is shut down and has kept infection rates very low as is Vietnam. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about the domestic recovery leading the way, domestic demands in large countries like China, Russia, US, Brazil. But with COVID now sort of un, more or less under control in a lot of large Asian economies, do you see the um, sort of uh, international demand starting to come back in that part of the world? 
Are you seeing signs of that? Well, no, not yet, because mm. the borders are still closed. Now, now, what's because because COVID has um, because because a lot of these countries in Asia have have done such a good job in keeping COVID under control. Uh, a, a lot of domestic markets in the region are doing okay. Right. Um, I mean, you know, China, like like you mentioned, it's it's pretty much back to pre-crisis levels of traffic in the domestic market. Now, no one's making money because the you know the yields are very low and you know that you have these airlines that had capacity that they that were was deployed overseas now they're they're bringing it back so there's there's you know kind of kind of capacity dumping into the investing markets even the thailand market is you know reasonably active indonesia japan you know you have people traveling but international you know it's very tough they're trying to create these so-called travel bubbles yeah. where you, you still have to, I mean, people who travel between Hong Kong and Singapore, which is an example of a, of a travel bubble that was supposed to come into effect last week, I think, this past weekend. Um, the travelers still have to test negative for COVID, but they won't have to quarantine if they do test negative. And that's supposed, and that was, you know, from all from all accounts, that was um, going to, you know, they, they were getting a lot of booking activity uh, from both ends, Singapore Airlines, Cathay Pacific, people, people wanted to take advantage of that and, and travel. Um, the problem is, is that, uh, you know, Hong Kong discovered some cases and uh, they had to postpone it for a couple of weeks. Right. So it's it's just the type of disease. It's it's so hard to control this thing right. because of, you know, the asymptomatic nature of the, uh, you know, of, of, of how people can, you know, have this thing and you don't even know it because they're, because they're asymptomatic. So it's like so hard to control it that it becomes very hard to, to, to really sustain, um, you know, uh, a travel bubble or, or to keep it going. You know, you have to really keep your cases from, you know, to, to the very, very low levels. And that's, that's, that's the countries there have done a good job, but, uh, but you can see just how, you know, every now and then you wake up, and you, you see a country that hasn't had a case in a week and, oh, now we have a, you know, a little mini explosion. Yeah. So it's it, it becomes very difficult. I mean, ultimately, it's it's really even for these countries. I mean, there's more potential for, you know, pre-vaccine international revival in these countries than there is, say, you know, transatlantic. But uh, it's even here, it's it's, you know, we're really going to get it's really a vaccine that's going to going to open borders ultimately right and so so we will we will wait to see how these vaccines are both manufactured distributed yeah, and administered still, that... exactly still a few months away for most part i mean you know there's some countries that are already starting with vaccinations mm -hmm. like china but um it sounds like it'll you know still still be we're, we're looking like well into first second third quarter of next year where we're really going to see it open up international airline markets i think all right. Well, Jay, thank you for for breaking down the future story for us again. And I I want to um, just let our our listeners know that uh, this could be Jay Shabbat's last regular appearance on uh, on the Airline Weekly Lounge Live podcast. He is leaving Airline Weekly at the end of this year. I've been crying for the last several weeks. Um, Jay, I just want to wish you <laughs> wish you farewell. Good luck, and uh, I know I know we'll be hearing from you again soon. Yeah, thanks, Madhu. Uh, yeah, thanks so much. And uh, yeah, been been great working with you. All right. Well, that that's the, that brings us to the end of another Airline Weekly Lounge Live podcast. Uh, please check us out on airlineweekly.com. This 
a video a uh, video replay of this uh, of this episode will be available on airlineweekly.com later today and the audio podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts later this week. Thanks a lot, Jay. Okay, thanks. <laughs>